This is episode six of the CB Northwest and Camp Tadmore events podcast. We're jumping ahead to our most recent event, Winter Youth Celebration 2018. The theme was Become, Romans 6, 17 to 18. Here's session one from the Axis team. Am I on? Oh, there we go. Hey guys, how you doing today? Okay, I asked how you were doing today, and I expect a louder response than that. So, how are you doing today? Woo! Awesome. Well, I'm going to be honest with you all. I'm super winded from running around trying to photobomb as many of your selfies as I possibly could. So if you see a strange girl doing the bunny fingers, that's me. Um, So we are Axis. We are from Colorado Springs, Colorado. We're a nonprofit out there and we're super excited to be here with you guys. Um, I work at the youth group in my church, so I love youth events and I'm super pumped to be here. Uh, So I want to welcome you to the marketplace of ideas. So can anybody tell me what a marketplace is? Anybody? Mm. Place where you buy things? Yes, what else do you do in a marketplace? sell things? Yes. Okay, so in this marketplace, we are buying and selling ideas, right? Ideas are sold to us at a daily level. And so many of these ideas are produced through advertisements. These advertisements, we see 3,000 of them per day. Every single person in this room sees 3,000 advertisements per day, right? That's a lot of advertisements. And what are they all telling us? Well, they're telling us one general message, to be true to yourself, to be authentic, to follow your heart wherever it leads. And all of these advertisements and ideas are answering a lot of questions we have. They're answering questions like, where do I get a really overpriced, cheaply made coffee? Well, you go to Starbucks, right? Or what does this idea look like of being a man or being a woman? Well, that idea, you can find that at ESPN or Seventeen Magazine, right? And they're providing all of these answers. And we want to come today and say that the issue we have is not unanswered questions, right? Because all of our questions are being answered, whether through culture, through scripture, or the people around us. They're all being answered answered, right? But we're not asking, okay, why is this the answer? So we want to say that the issue is not unanswered questions, it's unquestioned answers. We're not asking, why is this the answer? We're taking it at face value and saying, okay, this is the answer. I guess this is how I believe now. We're not asking, well, why is this the answer? So we're going to kind of dive into what that looks like. But before then, I realize You know nothing about me. You don't know who I am. So I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Lexi. Um, I was originally born in California. So even though I live in Colorado now and there are beautiful mountains there, I will always love the beach more than the mountains. Um, Anybody here ever heard of Longview, Washington? Yeah, I lived there for six years of my life. So... Being here on the Columbia River feels like home. We flew in over the river and it was beautiful. 
and I love it. I probably want to move back here someday, so I'm super excited to be here today. Uh, this next picture is a picture of my siblings and I. Uh, so on the right here, we have my sister. On the left is my older brother. And if you can believe it, the super tall guy in the middle is my little brother. Um, it's not fun being short. Um, my sister is like 5'11", so I'm super short compared to them. Uh, fun couple of fun facts about this picture. Uh, this picture was taken when the photographer told us to act natural, and this is what happened. This is the explanation of all of our personalities. Another fun fact is that this picture was taken only three days after we had met each other for the first time. No. Uh, there we go. Hey, Portland, what's up? Ah, uh, come on. So I actually, I'm, I actually volunteer for this trip. Uh, if you can read, my name is Jason. I volunteer for this trip because of three things. One, I always heard that Portland had great street tacos. Is that true? Where can I get the best street tacos? Pine Town? Okay. I'm going to go get some street tacos. Number two, I always am a big fan of everything Humble Beast record labels. Do we have any fans of Humble Beast here? If you don't know who they are, you got to look them up. Changed my life. Number three, where are my Oregon Ducks at? All right. So if you guys can actually look at the screen right there. Actually, what I'm doing there is I got a, I didn't ask for a pony for Christmas. I got a unicorn. All right. As you can see, I'm riding my unicorn here. Um, some of you guys can't see it because you're not on Santa's nice list. But I've been told he's blue because I can't see him either. But that is my unicorn. I love riding him. Next slide, please. And that is my puppy, if I had one, which I don't. That's just a random dog I found on the internet. But on the left there, that's me. I came from North Carolina. I'm from the beaches of North Carolina. I love the mountains, though. I love, I love being by the water. I love being by the mountains. So you guys have kind of like the best of both worlds nearby, and it's great. I love being here in this area. But fun fact about me, I grew up uh, the son of a soldier, son of a teacher. All right, grew up in North Carolina, Christian school. Although I grew up in Christian school, I didn't really care about it. Didn't care about Christianity. It wasn't for me until I dropped out of high school. My transcripts will tell you that I'm a high school dropout. Eventually, I would go to Oxford, where I would be challenged by people. And I would be challenged by these professors to actually co uh, question Christians' truth claims. I found out that it was true. I'd go to Ecuador. I decided that after almost dying, that I would make it official. I became baptized. I moved to Nashville, found a mentor, started working with refugees there. Almost died three times. First time I was struck by lightning. Second time my best friend lit me on fire. Third time my best friend and I went swimming with sharks. All right, I'm glad to be here because I almost wasn't. I told my best friend that, and, he, and I was like, man, like, I'm so glad to be alive. I think God's got good plans for me. He's like, dude, I think God may be trying to kill you. I'm not sure. You know, this is one of the two. So anyway, eventually I moved from Nashville, moved to Colorado, started traveling all over the world. If you had told me six years ago that I'd be traveling the world to talk about Jesus, I would have laughed in your face because I was a skeptic until then. And so now that I'm traveling around the world, actually, as of last week, I got my first motorcycle accident crash. That was a lot of fun. And as of last night, I was helping my best friend uh, here in Colorado, or there in Colorado, I should say, kind of get his truck out of the mud. Uh, we were on some private property. Guy came out with a gun. I'll tell you the rest of the story later. But that's a little bit about me. I have a penchant for finding trouble. However, there's not just me. There is one more of our team members. Hey, guys. My name is Kristen, and I'm a giraffe. Anyone get that Vine reference? Oh, good. Okay, so I love Vine, which is something that you need to know about me. If you ever make a Vine reference, I will laugh at it. 
depending on the vine. Um, and so this was one thing that I just recreated. I love skiing. It's my absolute favorite thing to do. So my brother and I went skiing one day. You better bet that I was yelling, I'm a giraffe, the entire day. Um, and then he was wearing a bear costume. And so every time I'd look over at him, I'd go, barely saw you over there. Mm, so I also love puns. Those are my favorite as well. Um, this is my first time in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm super excited about it because I've always wanted to come here. So thank you all for having us here um, because I love to travel. It's one of my favorite things ever. Um, this is me and my roommates. My sophomore year of college, we went on a road trip out to California, um, and it was a really fun time. And on our way back, we were like, let's stop at the Grand Canyon. The only thing about our trip to the Grand Canyon was we ended up bringing back a couple more guests with us on the trip. Um, so you can see that there is a little tiny chihuahua. Her name is Missy. She's 13 years old. She was basically a potato on toothpicks. She was a super weird dog. She just recently passed away. Very sad. Rest in peace, Missy. Um, and then in the middle, Missy is like not that exciting, but in the middle um, is our pet tortoise. His name is Sheldon. My roommate's family gave him to us on the way home from California. And it was hilarious because we were like, okay, well, we're going to the Grand Canyon. We can't just leave him in the back of our car. And he probably wants to see the Grand Canyon. So we took him out. We held him over the canyon like Simba in The Lion King. It was a beautiful moment. And he still talks about it to this day. And we're like, Sheldon, who taught you how to talk? I don't know, we're still trying to figure it out, man. But that's a little bit about me. Um, another thing that you should know is I love to watch random videos on the internet like this one. <laughs> oh, these guys are so relatable. Like, life just gets you down. You're just being pushed back and forth by the wind. But you know what? They get back up and they keep going. And that just got a lot deeper than what I was intending to do. Wow, okay. Um, so this first presentation that we're gonna do is called Alone Together. And we are going to be talking a lot about the different messages that we hear through different forms of media. And so we're gonna be diving in and looking at how technology has impacted us because each of us, in some way, shape, or form, has been impacted by this crazy thing called technology. But before we dive in, I'm sure you guys are used to this if you had us come last year, we have a discussion question. So this really smart lady, Sherry Turkle, she says that technology is not good or bad, it's powerful and it's complicated. Do you guys agree with her? Do you disagree? Take a minute, talk to the person next to you about it. Thank you. 
All right. So how many of you guys agree by show of hands? Okay, quite a few of you. How many of you disagree? Like two of you, one of you, maybe? I don't know, you put your hand down, so I don't know. All right, so that's kind of a tricky question, right? It's a very generalized question. It's not really an easy one to answer, but hopefully we'll kind of unpack it as we go throughout our presentations. Um, and we kind of want to start unpacking it through a biblical narrative. So let's start with Act 1. Act 1, God created the heavens and the earth. The formless was given form, and God told man to cultivate and protect and to work and keep and take care of everything that God had created. And when God looked at every, if you've ever read Genesis you know every time God created something, he said it was good. It was so good. And once he looked out at the entirety of his creation, man and woman and all of the beasts and all of the creatures of the sea and the heavens and the earth, he said it was good, 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 very good. But unfortunately, it didn't stay very good for long. Um, and that is when the curse enters in. When Satan comes and deceives us as humans, and then we decide that we're going to rebel against God and choose our own life for us. Deception and rebellion entered into this world. And because of that, we experience shame, blame, death, and then this curse that we have. But that goodness that God created, that didn't go away. That good was still there. But everything is still dysfunctional. Our relationships with each other is now dysfunctional. Our relationships with ourself is dysfunctional. And our relationship with God is dysfunctional. But as I said, it didn't go away. That good is still there. But now we live in a very good but cursed world. And of course, that curse then also applies to our technology because it's not just how we relate to God, each other, and ourselves, but also the how we relate to his world. And technology is a part of his world. How in the beginning we had the Garden of Eden, but how the end of the story ends with a city. And cities are full of technology, right? And so technology is not something that's going to go away anytime soon. In fact, heaven's going to be full of it. We know this to be true. And so how we decide to use technology matters because technology costs time. I'm becoming more and more aware of this uh, the older I get. You know, I got the new iPhone uh, update, like, I think about four months ago, and it keeps telling me every Sunday, hey, you spent four and a half hours on average a day on your phone. I'm like, ouch, did I really? And so I've been trying to get it down like every single day, every single week. And I think last week for the first time, I got it down to like three and a half hours, which was pretty sweet. I got it down, I saved an hour every day, which by the end of the week means I saved seven hours of my life. Now, how many of you guys would love to add seven hours of your life every week? That'd be a pretty sweet deal to gain seven hours every week of your life. But that four and a half hours is actually pretty low compared to the average number. I'm curious about you guys. How much time do you think you spend on your phone or, your, or with technology just for entertainment purposes every week? Throw some numbers out there. This is a conversation. Let me hear you. Seven. Anybody else? Shout it out, guys. Five. Twenty-six. There's always that guy. Nine hours. Nine hours is roughly the average. All right, so if you guys are spending five, six, seven hours, that's a good thing, all right? But the average for a middle school student is nine hours a day. For a high school, that actually goes up. So if you're asking how, 
it goes up to 11 hours. You add an extra two hours, which means if you take roughly 365 days a year, 11 times 365, that's roughly 4,015 hours. All right, 4,015 hours of your life every year devoted to technology. Not for homework, all right? Like, I get it. We have homework. We look up things with the internet to help us do our homework. But this is just for entertainment, all right? And what's cool about this, and here's, how, here's your answer to your how question, is this actually counts as double sometimes. So if you're listening to music and playing a video game, that counts as twice, all right? But 4,000 hours. What are we doing with that 4,000 hours? Because in that 4,000 hours with just entertainment, we spend a lot of time distracting ourselves. And when we spend that much time distracted, we'll probably end up places that we never intended to go. So hopefully in the middle of your distraction, you've never ran into a bear before. That is one thing I have not done, although it's on my bucket list of things to do before I die or until I die. So it's one of those things that I want to do one day, but hopefully you guys haven't been so distracted that you've ran into a wall before. Or does anybody just want to go ahead and confess that they have? Anybody? Okay, yeah, see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join that group. Smacked right into a stop sign one time in my car. Um, so we end up distracted with our technology. But like we've said, technology is not a bad thing in and of itself. Like the creation, it's a good thing, okay? The creation is a good thing, but we've lost that relationship to it. We don't know how to relate to it well. And so our relationship with technology has become cursed. But we want to learn how to use it well. And in the middle of our distractions, well, actually, I wanted to actually kind of want to illustrate this for somebody. Is there a Lily Bell somewhere in the house? Can I get Lily Bell to come up here? Yes, everybody give her a round of applause. Lily Bell's coming up. Thank you, Lily Bell. Please meet you. My name is Jason, by the way. <laughs> Lily Bell, please meet you too. All right, I need two groups from the Barnabas team. Anybody from the Barnabas team can come up. Come on up. All right, thank you guys. Do you trust them, by the way? Would you trust them to pull you apart? Okay, I want you, what was your name? Claire. Claire. Everybody give Claire a round of applause. <laughs> and you, Miss Miranda. Everybody give Miranda a round of applause. Miranda, I want you to hold Lily Bell's hand, her left hand. I want you to hold her right hand. Okay, Claire, I want you to start walking that direction. I want you to start walking that direction. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, actually, we should probably stop. Thank you. So like one day we're actually gonna pull somebody's arms out of their socket, it's gonna be hilarious, or at least I'm gonna think it is, but they probably won't. Thank you guys, give me a round of applause again, thank you. <laughs> Lily Bell, you can go and sit down, thank you. Appreciate you. Let me down there, did you see that? Did you see that? Okay, I'm just kidding. But distraction, that's what it was all about. Originally, distraction was a French form of torture. So somebody was had committed a crime, they were caught for the crime, and they would say, be sentenced to distraction. And what distraction was, it's just like you saw with poor Lily Bell there, they would have each arm or leg tied, not to people, but to a horse. Now, people may not be able to pull you apart, but horses are a lot stronger than people. All right, and so each person, each leg would be then tied to a person, each arm would be tied to a different horse, and they'd be actually then whipped in multiple directions, and the person would literally be pulled apart. And that is the second thing that we have recreated with our technology. The first thing we've done with our technology is recreate the Garden of Eden, where we're able to do anything that we want. The second thing is we've distracted ourselves till we no longer know who we are. 
And that is what we have created with our technology. And that means it's powerful. And in that 4,000 hours, we have to decide what to do with it. Because, of course, how we spend our hours is how we spend our days. That's a no-brainer. But how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And so it's not just costing us time, it's costing us our lives. How we use technology will change not only your life, but your neighbors and eventually the world. And so we have to ask ourselves from the very beginning, some of you guys already picked up on this, when we're talking about technology, what matters is the question, what is it for? What are we using it for? What do we hope to get out of it? What are we going to technology to fix? And was technology intended to fix that thing that we're going to it for? And we're going to talk about technology in at least three key areas. Movies, video games, and social media. But we're going to kick it off with TV and movies. So what are some of your guys' favorite TV shows? The Office. Score. I love The Office. So good. What else? Stranger Things, Perks and Rec. Just wait till tonight. Friends, good. All right, what else? Princess Bride, okay, good, yes. Lord of the Rings, I haven't seen that yet. I'm way behind the times. Everyone knows this about me, you'll figure it out. One Tree Hill, okay, okay, cool. Um, I'm a huge Stranger Things fan, Parks and Rec, The Office. I make lots of references to those on a daily basis. You guys will learn that Leslie Nope changed my life. We'll talk more about that later. But what is really funny is I think that in the past, the idea of TV and movies has looked a little bit like Ho or Calvin in Calvin and Hobbes. So Calvin says, oh, greatest of the mass medias, thank you for elevating emotion, reducing thought, and stifling imagination. Thank you for the artificiality of quick, quick solutions and for the insidious manipulations of human desires for commercial purposes. This bowl of lukewarm tapioca represents my brain. I offer it in humble sacrifice. Bestow the flickering light forever. And I think that that's often a message that we heard is like, you're going to watch TV and you're going to lose your brain and it's just going to turn to mush and you're not going to get anything from it. And we don't necessarily agree with that. We think that we can learn a lot through watching TV and movies, but a lot of the ways that we have previously watched TV and movies and are currently watching TV, TV and movies has really started to influence, those, influence the things that we believe. And one way that it has influenced us is with our habits. So how many bingers do we have here? Guys, I said that I like Stranger Things. I watched Stranger Things 2 in one weekend, and it was done, and I didn't even know what happened to me afterwards. I was like, am I in the 80s now? I don't know. That didn't happen. But what's really interesting about this idea of binge is typically binging isn't necessarily a good thing. Like binge eating, probably not the healthiest for you. Binge drinking destroys lives. Like these, are, these aren't good things, but for some reason, binge watching is something that we're like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do that. Shameless. Yeah, I watched... I binge watch everything all the time. And it's become really just normal into our habits, into our daily lives, that it's even become a joke. Introducing Binge On Up, only from T-Mobile. With Binge On Up, you can watch what you want during every waking second. And with T-Mobile's blazing fast 4G LTE coverage, you can watch wherever. I love the outdoors. While doing whatever. Binge On Up lets you unleash your productivity like never before. And it comes with revolutionary features like theater mode, dual view, and real reality. Don't miss a second of what matters most. 
This is my favorite scene. <laughs> Binge your life away for free. Switch to the Uncarrier and watch what you want, where you want, with Binge On Up, only from T-Mobile. Thank you, yes. So, first of all, he said binge your life away for free, so that's sweet. We can now just like binge our lives out of here. Um, but I had one student, we were speaking on this, and the student was like, where can I get that? I was like, first of all, T-Mobile, did you not watch the commercial? And second of all, this isn't a real thing. T-Mobile is making fun of all of you bingers, because really, that kind of looked nice. Like, okay, I can be out like working out, and I can still be watching my favorite show. I can mow the yard, and still watch my favorite show. Like, that secretly probably sounds pretty nice. And why is that? Why is it something that we're so captivated by? Well, I think it's because it offers us a vicarious adventure. We get to live a life that we would never be able to live otherwise. I didn't know what life was like in the 80s because I was not born, but stranger things can take me to that place. I've never lived in Pawnee, Indiana, but I can take myself there to the Parks and Recreation Department and be a part of this world so we get to go on these adventures that would never happen to us in real life that we're able to experience now. And that's really, really captivating for us. One thing that's also really captivating is this idea of the anti-hero, the person that is doing all of the wrong things, but maybe for the right reasons. They've become so popular, like Walter White cooking meth in his basement. That probably wouldn't have been the best thing to do. Probably most people would say, you shouldn't do that. But his intentions were good. He had something good behind it. He wanted to save his family. And so I want to ask you guys this question. Why are anti-heroes so popular? Why is this something that we love so much? Take a minute, talk to the person next to you about it. Why do you think anti-heroes are so popular? They're relatable. They're relatable. I like that answer. Anybody else? Ironic? Anybody else? Yes. Say that one more time. It gives an excuse for the bad things they're doing. That's an interesting answer. I've never heard that one before. But I liked... Um, I don't remember where you were over here, but someone said that they were relatable, right? They're not like Superman where they were born with all of these powers, right? They're real human beings doing real human things to save real human people, right? And they have human motivations just like us, and they weren't born with all of these superpowers, right? And so not only do we have this vicarious adventure and we have immersive storytelling through these TV and movies, we also have 
TV and movies revolutionizing what we believe to be normal, right? Whether we realize it or not, the TV and movies that we are watching are changing the way that we think about the world, the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves and religion and everyone around us. They change our mindset on life, whether we realize it or not. And so many popular TV shows and movies these days are telling us all these different messages. So we're gonna show you a piece from the movie November Criminals. And I want you to pay close attention and see maybe what message they are trying to convey through this scene and say, okay, what is the bigger picture here? What are they trying to tell me to believe about how I should live my life? And how is this affecting my mindset right now? I don't want to go off to college as a... As a what? Without having you know, done it. Done what? Screw you, <laughs> I want to get it over with, all right? I want to have sex with a guy who I feel safe around, you know, who won't judge me and who is definitely a virgin, too. You're talking about me? Well, wait, wait, what, what makes you think that I'm a virgin? Addison, shut up. So my mom's in a meeting with the Secretary of Commerce until 6 p.m. You want to do this right now? Yeah. Well, there's a meeting with... Wait, your mom and the Secretary of Commerce? Addison, I swear to God, if you ask me another question, I'm going to change my mind. Okay, okay, okay. Is this on? Yes, okay. So I want you to think about a couple of the different messages that they were talking about in this scene. First of all, she said, I just want to get it over with. It's not that big of a deal. Disregarding the fact that God created this to be a beautiful thing, for it to be this amazing thing, right? And then she says that I want to do it with someone who's never done it before as well. And so it's kind of putting in this shame mindset of saying if I haven't experienced this before and I experience it with someone else who has then there's a lot of shame and embarrassment that comes with that. And so it's creating this mindset of we need to do this so that way I'm not embarrassed the first time I do it. And so it's taking everything out of context in the beautiful picture that God created for this to be. It's taking everything out of that. And it's sharing this message that we should be ashamed of following God's commandments about sex and about sex within marriage and is disregarding all of that. Now, there's probably some of you sitting in the room today that are saying, okay, Lexi, I don't really binge watch Netflix. I don't have cable. I don't watch a lot of movies, but I do watch a lot of YouTube, right? YouTube is big. How many of you guys have ever seen a YouTube video? Everybody's hands should be up in the air because one of us, every single one of us, once in our lives, has seen a YouTube video. And maybe you binge watch YouTube videos, right? YouTubers, YouTube influencers are becoming the next Matthew McConaughey and Julia Roberts. And if you don't know who those people are, I'm very sad for you. Uh, they're very famous actors. They've been in a lot of movies. 
but they're becoming the people that are spreading these powerful messages, right? Maybe we're not getting these messages from shows on Netflix or movies on Hulu, but we're getting these messages from people in YouTube videos. And you're thinking, well, I only watch videos of other people playing video games or people putting on makeup, and they're not really telling me a bigger message. But what if they are? What if they're telling you a deeper message that if you don't use this product, then you're never gonna be pretty. And if you don't play this game right, then you're not gonna be popular with all of your other friends who are beating every single level in this game, right? And they're telling you a message about your identity and who you are based on how you perform and how you look. So, I want to encourage you that the next time you're watching a TV show, the next time you're watching a movie or a YouTube video or anything that you watch, I want you to ask yourself. I don't want you to turn it off and say, I'm never gonna watch anything again, because that's just crazy. And that would be really sad, because then I couldn't binge watch Gilmore Girls and Friends. Um, however, I want you to think, take a moment, step back and say, what message are they telling me about myself? What message are they telling me about religion or culture or the people around me or the world or anything? What message are they trying to tell me? Because they have a powerful message to tell you. As George Lucas says, also if you don't know who George Lucas is, that's really sad because he was a director for uh, most of the older Star Wars movies. And he said at one of his Academy Awards acceptance speeches, I've always tried to be aware of what I say in my films because all of us who make motion pictures are teachers. Teachers with very loud voices. They have a voice in our lives, they have power in our lives, and how are we going to take that and use it for good? And take that and say, this isn't the message I need to be hearing right now. I need to see what God says about this in scripture and say, does this line up with scripture? Does this line up with who Jesus is? Take every message at face value. All right, that wraps up TV movies. Now we're going to talk about video games. Where are my gamers at? Whoa. I heard one woo. Where are my gamers at? Okay, that's a little bit better. Yeah, gamers are quiet people by nature, I guess. Anyway, I'm not going to be that guy that gets up here and tells you, hey, don't play video games. They're evil. I I'm not going to be that guy, okay? I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad, all right? But what I am going to say is that video games can be an awesome thing if they are a supplement to your life. Video games can either be a supplement to your life or a replacement for your life. When they're a supplement, great, go for it. When they're a replacement, well, it might look like this guy. First things first, I'm going to say all the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been. Okay, so Nintendo Switch. How many guys have one of those? I'm not going to like judge you for it either, okay? That's not a thing. All right, how many just got one for Christmas? All right, sweet. Okay, so Nintendo Switch came out about two years ago, all right? It's a lot of fun. The whole point of Nintendo Switch is basically what they're saying is you never have to leave the game world. Like you can play all the time, stay connected, you never have to leave, which sounds like a ton of fun. But where were this guy's friends at? How many of you guys saw his friends? 
he, somebody just said he didn't have any. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, there were no friends in this picture. Because he was playing online. Perhaps he had friends online, but they weren't with him. All right? Not only that, like, he's, like, cooking breakfast while playing a game. That's a great way to start a fire. All right? That's, like, number, way, that's like number five way I almost died. Okay? That's a great way to start a fire. Don't do that. Okay? But that's how they used to be immersive. That was only two years ago. Now they're even more immersive with things like Battlefront. You have augmented reality, which is so cool. It sounds like a great idea. Transport yourself into the world, where the world, you no longer have to go to it. You bring the world to you. It's inside your own head. And it's a great idea. And I'm excited to see this. Augmented reality is some cool stuff. But is it the end-all, be-all? Like, is this what we were made to live for? Or should this be calling us into the real world? Because now with things like Fortnite, with over 200 million gamers on average, or average players a day, that means, like, this is a whole community now. But we're a community separated by our TV screens. We might be playing with our friends who are online. We're all playing together, but we're in our rooms by ourselves. We are together, but we're alone. We're alone together. And in this kind of a world, if we have a problem with somebody, we turn them off. Well, some of you guys argue with them. I, you learn you're never going to win that argument. But for the most part, if you don't want to deal with somebody, you just turn them off. You don't have to deal with conflict. Guys, to the degree that you experience conflict is the degree that you're going to experience relationship. To the degree that you experience relationship, you're going to experience life. If you want true life, you have to deal with conflict. All right, and so this video game world, when we invest all of our time in it, we're actually taking ourselves out of life. All right, it's a digital suicide. And so as uh, Jay McGonagall talks about, if you guys know Blizzard, think of World of Warcraft, um, think about... <laughs> She says that on average, a strong gamer culture has about 10,000 hours. Somebody will play 10,000 hours of their life in a video game, okay? Now, give you some perspective, that is the same amount of time that you spend from fifth grade through high school. Same amount of time that you spend in school, all right? So you have this separate track of education. Now, what she says, what's fascinating about this, is if we could take that 10,000 hours of life energy and harness it and redirect it towards solving cancer, solving the problem of cancer, world hunger, poverty, you know, instead, she's like, let's not get rid of video games. Let's create video games that help us think about real-world issues. Let's create games that help, help us solve real problems, a virtual world that calls us into the real world. And I'm all for that, all right? Because as Axis, we don't want you guys to stop playing video games. I want you guys to get together with your communities. I want you guys to get together with your youth pastors, your youth directors, your parents, and play games with them, all right? Play games with them. Play them with your pets, too, especially if you have a pet frog. every time is the same and it cracks me up even Lexi who's seen this so many times she still jumps and I love it so much but like I I feel like this frog is really relatable like you're playing a game you're really invested and then all of a sudden real life comes in that thumb of reality comes in and you're like ah, no I want to keep playing I want to keep going but that frog really at this point he wasn't getting much out of that he thought he was eating bugs he wasn't eating bugs 
His reality wasn't really there, and sometimes reality can be the worst game ever. But why is that? Well, for this guy, I think his reality is the worst game ever because he has a terrible Windows computer. No, so bad. Yikes. But, but let's take a look at reali reality, and let's take a look at why, why this video game world might be better than reality. Well, if the world that you're living in isn't the best right now, this is a really awesome option. Going to a place where you can have adventures, where you can choose what you look like, where you can be better than maybe where, where you're at in reality, that is a really nice place to escape to. If the world that you're living in, if your friends maybe aren't the best, you can go to this other world and escape from your friends and maybe create new friends. And so how much of gaming are we using to escape reality or how much are we using it to actually enhance reality? And in the movie uh, Ready Player One, I think Wade talks a really interesting way of explaining kind of this escapism that he experiences. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere, there's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the oasis. A whole virtual universe. People come to the oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. Like many of you, I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. So this world that he was living in, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this story, but basically the world is kind of trash. And there's this virtual world that everyone kind of likes a lot better than the world that we're currently living in. And so instead of living in reality, the people of this world kind of escape to the oasis and go there instead of kind of facing the problems that are here in this real world. And he says that he, he only went, he went to there to escape, but he was able to find so much more through this world. But was that world actually meaningful? Was that real? And I had to read this book in college. It's also a book, and I got to read it in college, which was pretty cool. Um, but the entire time I was reading it, I was thinking like, wow, this, this is something that could really happen in this world. Like, this, re this virtual reality that they created was so much better than the world that they lived in. And so instead of enjoying the world that they had, they went to something that they created. And we have to remember that we were made in the image of a creator. And so for that reason, we were made to create, not just consume. It's really easy with all of these areas, but video games specifically, to just feel like we need to constantly be consuming and consuming and consuming. But if we're consuming more than we're creating, we aren't living out our intended purpose. We're not living out the life that God called us to. And I think that if we aren't living out our purpose, we're going to end up kind of not being satisfied with the world that we're in, because we clearly have this purpose of creating. Now, some of you guys might be sitting there thinking like, okay, cool, but I'm not creative. I'm not just going to sit down and write a song. I'm not either. No, don't worry about it. Creative and be, like, creating things doesn't necessarily mean having to like paint a picture or write a song or learn how to play the guitar. There's so much more to that. So like creating memories with your friends, having your friends over and playing a game together. 
maybe taking some time, turning off the screens and going on a hike. You guys live in a beautiful place. It might be rainy. That would be super adventurous. You should do it. Um, but what can you be doing here in this real world to live out your full intention of creating? So our last section we have is social media. And we call this connection because in our world today, that's what we use to connect, right? We use social media to connect. And why do we use social media to connect? Well, if you're someone like me, you don't always like small talk. You don't necessarily like talking with people. Um, I like talking to people, just not with them. Um, so it's really easy to just, oh, I'm in an awkward moment. I'm kind of breaking away from the conversation and I'm gonna go check Instagram or I'm gonna go text my mom because I text my mom more than I text anyone else. Um, but it's such an easy way to communicate and sometimes it's an easy way to communicate because having a conversation in person, face to face, can be really hard sometimes. So what is the problem in having a conversation? Well, it takes place in real time and you can't control what you're gonna say. And that is the bottom line. Texting, email, posting, all of these things let us present the self as we want it to be. We get to edit and that means we get to delete. Instead of building true friendships, we're obsessed with endless personal promotion, investing hours on end building our profile, pursuing the optimal order of words in our next message, choosing the pictures in which we look our best, all of which is meant to serve as a desirable image of who we are. We're expecting more from technology and less from each other. The social networks aren't just changing what we're doing, but also who we are. And that's because technology appeals to us most where we are most vulnerable. And we are vulnerable. We are lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy, while the social networks offer us three gratifying fantasies. One, that we can put our attention wherever we want it to be. Two, that we will always be heard. And three, that we will never have to be alone. And that third idea, that we will never have to be alone, is central to changing our psyches. It's shaping a new way of being. The best way to describe it is, I share, therefore, I am. I share, therefore, I am. Sharing what's going on in our lives has become our identity, but it's always been around, right? We always wanted to share information. And connection started when the world began, when act one started, right? But it's obviously changed over the years. So connection a long time ago was smoke signals. Smoke signals were used for two things and two things only. The first one is it's time for dinner, come home. The second one was also to come home, but come home because the village is under attack. So you see smoke up in the air and you go running home because you're starving hungry and you know mom was cooking something good for dinner and you get there and you realize that your entire village is being attacked and your dinner is no more um, and you're in danger. So that wasn't really a super effective form of connection. So we kind of had to build on that and say, okay, maybe we can use things like words. So we went to a text-based kind of connection. Anybody remember super long blog posts or super long Facebook posts or Facebook in general? Um, everything was based on words, right? You would sit there for 15 minutes reading someone's 
post and you'd be totally fine with it, right? You'd be able to get through the entire thing. But now we can't get through the entire thing. In fact, we ignore Instagram posts with super long captions because we don't have the intention span to read them because now we're an image-based connection, right? We share everything through pictures, which is great because I love pictures because I forget that things happened. And if my mom didn't scrapbook when we were little, I wouldn't remember most of my childhood. Um, so pictures are great, right? And they're a great form of connection. But sometimes they can be a great form of disconnection as well. And this new image-based social media has created all of these different platforms for us to take our images and communicate with each other and connect with each other. But are we really connecting, right? We're sharing pictures of what we had for lunch, but we're avoiding and ignoring why it matters. Why does it matter that you're sharing what you had for lunch with all of your friends? It's, it's just, it's surface level, level connection. And with this image-based connection, we're taking a lot of selfies and a lot of pictures of ourselves and starting to become kind of self-focused, right? If you think about it, the top Instagram hashtags are as follows. We have things like love and beautiful and happy, which are great and cute, which means they were probably pictures of cats, because cats are cute. Um, but if you look down at number 10, there's follow me, there's follow me, selfie. Um, family isn't even on the list, and friends is way, way down on the list. So we have all of these self-focused hashtags that we're posting with our pictures. And we're saying, look at me, follow me, so I'll follow you, but I'll only follow you if you follow me. So we both get something out of this, but really I want you to follow me, and I'll probably stop following you. But this has started to become our identity. It started to become what we create our image to be. And I'm not the only one who struggles with this. You guys aren't the only one who struggles with this. Even celebrities like Selena Gomez struggle with this. In 2014, this stage was actually the first time that I was authentically 100% honest with all of you. I think it's safe to say that most of you know a lot of my life, whether I liked it or not. And I had to stop, because I, I had everything, and I was absolutely broken inside. And I kept it all together enough to where I would never let you down, but I kept it too much together to where I let myself down. I don't want to see your bodies on Instagram. I want to see what's in here. I'm not trying to get validation, nor do I need it anymore. So I find it interesting that she said, I kept it too much together to where I let myself down. She let herself down in the process of keeping it together for everybody else. So I actually want you guys to take a minute and discuss this with the people around you. What did she really mean by this? How was she keeping it together? And how did she let herself down in the process? Take a minute and talk to the people next to you.
I hate to shut down the conversations, but some of you guys are talking about this. This is a good thing. I want to continue these conversations after. Show of hands. How many of you guys think that this is a bigger problem for girls than guys? Are there any guys here who are willing to just lift up their hands and say, hey, you know, I struggle with this too. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, actually. Give them a round of applause, guys. That's, that takes guts. I too struggle with this. I've been told that my worth is basically essentially wrapped up in what I can do for my family, how well I can serve people, how well I perform. I've been told three times this last year that I am not lovable. My own value and my worth is dependent on what image I portray to people. That's the message that I've heard over and over and over again. And so the temptation is to easily just Photoshop all the blemishes away, to pretend like my life is better than it actually is, to post on Instagram, hey, I'm in Portland this week. How great is that? All of you guys should be jealous. And if I'm pretending, and if you're pretending, and Selena Gomez is pretending, who of us is being authentic? We say that we love an authentic world. We say that we want authenticity. I mean, after all, to love is to be vulnerable, right? But then none of us are actually being who we really were intended to be. And even Kendrick Lamar recognizes this. And guys, when Kendrick recognizes it, it's a problem, all right? He says that I'm so sick of that Photoshop. Give me something natural, like an uh, Afro and Richard Pryor. How many of you guys know where that song comes from, by the way? All right, that's <laughs> Kendrick, he recognizes, we all recognize that this is a problem. All right, instead of using social media to pretend to be somebody that we're not, what if we pretended, what if we actually showed who we were? What if we actually lifted up our sisters in Christ? What if we lifted up our brothers who are struggling? What if instead of putting down, of photoshopping everything, we just kind of created a world that was actually true? Axis kind of has tried to do this themselves. We've created playlists for you guys to actually not draw you away from the real world, but to pull you into it. Playlists depending on your mood. You guys have seen similar things on Spotify themselves. With our Instagram account, we post pictures. We keep up to date. Keep up to date with us, guys. We love to actually have conversations there. Follow us at Access Ideas. Some of you guys have your phones. That's okay. Pull it out right now and follow us. If you, we have this world that if you take it and you can choose to be who you want to be, why not be created in the image of something greater than the idea that you made for yourself? Because right now what we're doing is just creating envy and fear. Envy because we treat life like a video game, right? Like somehow the number of likes on a status is supposed to raise my social status? How? Because we treat life like a video game. And if we're not doing that, after envy, it leads to then fear. Fear that we're missing out on something greater. Have you guys heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out? I have that so bad. Like I see my friends. I went to six Thanksgiving parties in two days. Like, I can't eat that much, all right? None of us can't. Well, okay, some of you guys probably can. We should have an eating contest afterwards. But that is, some, some of you guys are looking at some other people. That's wrong, <laughs> you guys. FOMO, fear of missing out. Because the reality is that when we're looking at other people and comparing our lives to other people, we are missing out. We're missing out on our own life a life that God has created. Acts 17 says that he put you here in this particular time, in this particular place for his ultimate purposes. That means he has a plan for you. And Henri Nouwen picks up on this. He says that it's only in solitude that we are able to give up our clinging fears, that when we give our single-minded attention to Christ, we're able to give up our clinging fears and face our own true nature. Solitude, he says, 
is a place where Christ remodels us in his own image and frees us from the victimizing compulsions of this world. I get it, guys. All right? Looking for jobs, trying to make friends. It's tough because you have to be the right person in the right place at the right time with the right credentials and have the right history. And none of us have it perfect. And so most of us are victims, victims of a world that we've created for ourselves, but we have the power to recreate that world. And I want you guys to imagine yourselves for a minute as a living selfie, okay? Like you have the power to Photoshop yourself, and so you start getting rid of the blemishes. Maybe you make your nose smaller. Maybe you get rid of the pimples. You change your hair color. You make yourself skinnier, all right? And somebody steps in and says, no, no, no. And they drop the opacity. They increase the layers. They pull out the full color. They start recognizing, and pretty soon, you don't even recognize the image anymore, but that is who you really were. And then your creator steps back and says, that is what I made, and it's beautiful. And I want that to be part of my world. I want that. And why are we fighting to be a silly selfie when we've been made in the image of something far greater and the image that he wants to create you in is something far greater than anything that you could ever create for yourselves let's be that let's be present let's be who we were intended to be because that is what the world needs real authentic people so we talked about these three different categories connection tv and movies and video games and at the very very beginning we asked that question what is it for and so we want to ask you guys that question. What is it for? Are you using it for that purpose, for what you want it to use it for? Or is it kind of using you instead? Are you using it maybe to be alone together? How many of you guys can relate to this? Like, I've definitely experienced this where I'm with people that I love, but I'm on my phone looking at other people's lives that maybe I don't love as much. Or maybe I wasn't spending time with them for a reason, but I decided that I wanted to spend time with those people on the phone even though I'm hanging out with these people that I clearly love and clearly have chosen to be with, are we creating this world where we're alone together, where we're totally like, not paying attention to what's happening here in reality, but giving our attention more to what's happening outside of us? And attention is something that is really, really important. Simone Weil says that attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. We are able to be generous with our attention. Have you guys ever sat down and like had a conversation with someone where they're clearly invested, they're clearly listening, they clearly have to hear what, like you clearly want to hear what they have to say and they clearly want to hear what you have to say. Like how real is that? How fulfilling is that? How much better is that than this fake world that we've created just of scrolling and watching? It's so much better. And we can give that attention and get that attention by being with the people around us. And one way we can do this is through this super cheesy thing that we call JOMO. Instead of FOMO, the fear of missing out, maybe we put a little bit of joy in that missing out. Like we're excited that we're with the people that we're with. You guys are here right now at this camp. You are here in 2018. Like this is, this is where you're at. This is the only time that you'll be here at this point in your lives. So let's enjoy it. Let's be excited that we're here and not other places. Let's be excited that we're at dinner with our friends or with our family instead of doing something else because God's put us here. And so we need to be invested in that. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to be fully present. That's something that I really struggle with. Like, guys, I was just on an airplane three hours ago, and I have to remind myself, like, I'm in Portland. I'm sitting here right now, like, talking with students. That's something that really I need to work on. And the way that I do that is through solitude. 
And that's really one way that we can learn how to fully be present in the moment. So spending time alone with our thoughts, as scary as they might be, to really process where we're at. What I do is if I notice that I'm kind of like drifting and going someplace else, is I just kind of stop and I'm like, okay, I'm in a room in Portland. There's all of these students looking at me. My feet are here on the ground. I'm right here. And that kind of brings me back to where I'm at. So that's one way that I practice solitude. Another way that I've done it is like I just turn off music sometimes when I'm going from place to place. So that maybe there's something in my head that I really want to grapple with, but I don't actually want to. And so I'll just like maybe listen to music to tune it out. Maybe turn that music off and be fully present with where you're at because God can do so many cool things if you let him. If you're willing to listen and step out and be like, God, I trust you. I trust that you have this. I'm going to spend some time in solitude. Another thing that you guys can do when you're with people is this thing called the phone stack, where everyone stacks their phones on the table. If you're at a friend's house, whoever touches their phone first has to like wash dishes or, I don't know, run outside barefoot in the freezing cold. I'm, we live in Colorado, there's lots of snow. Um, or maybe you're out someplace and you put your phones on the table and the first person to touch their phone has to buy dessert for everyone. Like what can we do to spend time with each other and challenge each other to maybe be more present here in this moment? Because it's amazing the things that can happen when you simply look up. I have 422 friends, yet I'm lonely. I speak to all of them every day, yet none of them really know me. The problem I have sits in the spaces between, looking into their eyes or at a name on a screen. I took a step back and opened my eyes. I looked around and realised that this media we call social is anything but. When we open our computers and it's our doors we shut. A world of self-interest, self-image, self-promotion, where we all share our best bits but leave out the emotion. So look up from your phone shut down the display. Take in your surroundings, make the most of today. Just one real connection is all it can take to show you the difference that being there can make. Be there in the moment that she gives you the look that you remember forever as when love overtook. The time she first holds your hand or first kiss your lips. The time you first disagree but still love her to bits. The time you don't have to tell hundreds of what you've just done because you want to share this moment with just this one. The time you sell your computer so you can buy a ring for the girl of your dreams who is now the real thing. The time you want to start a family and the moment when you first hold your little girl and get to fall in love again. The time she keeps you up at night and all you want is rest and the time you wipe away the tears as your baby flees the nest. The time your baby girl returns with a boy for you to hold and the time he calls you granddad and makes you feel real old. The time you take in all you've made just by giving life attention and how you're glad you didn't waste it by looking down at some invention. The time you hold your wife's hand, sit down beside her bed. You tell her that you love her, lay a kiss upon her head. She then whispers to you quietly as her heart gives a final beat that she's lucky she got stopped by that lost boy in the street. But none of these times ever happened. You never had any of this. When you're too busy looking down, you don't see the chances you miss. So look up from your phone, shut down those displays. We have a finite existence, a set number of days. Don't waste your life getting caught in the net as when the end comes, nothing's worse than regret. 
I am guilty too of being part of this machine, this digital world we are heard but not seen, where we type as we talk and we read as we chat, where we spend hours together without making eye contact. So don't give in to a life where you follow the hype, give people your love, don't give them your like. Disconnect from the need to be heard and defined, go out into the world, leave distractions behind. So we gave you guys a lot to kind of think about and process. And so we want to give you guys just a couple of minutes to maybe talk to the people around you, maybe write down some things that really stood out to you, um, and maybe just write down some practical ways that maybe like you're going to work on changing your habits. So for me, I use the Screen Time app on my iPhone, um, and it blocks me out of my social media after using it for 25 minutes a day, which at first I was like, 25 minutes a day, that's so much. It's not, it's not a lot. And then it kicks me out and I get really mad about it. So we're gonna give you guys some time to just kind of process that. And then we also have some workbook answers for you guys following along in the workbook. <laughs> 